Hi, welcome to Life Hurts, God Heals. I'm one of your hosts, Kim Ward. And I'm your other host, Kurt Swingle. And today is special for this particular episode because we have a guest that is someone that we've both known for quite a while. Her name is Dana Rasco, and she has great things to tell us about the differences between pain and harm. Is there a difference? If so, what are the differences? This is what we get to talk about today. So Dana, welcome to Life Hurts God Heals. Thank you. I'm very happy to join you today. Because Kim and I both have a relationship with you, which I get to say started with me. You and I got to know each other first. Would you would you mind sharing how all of that came to be? You know, kind of sure. give people a little bit of background of how we know each other. Yes. Well, Kurt and I met when we were on staff at a church in Las Vegas, and it was a, a pretty big church, so we were in different departments, didn't know each other too well, but I saw him around and ended up asking him to do uh, my husband and I's premarital counseling. So yeah, did you forget about that? Wow, yes. So uh, we got to know Kurt and his wife, Sherry, a little bit more through that, and during that time, you moved to slow to start Elevate. We had never heard of San Luis Obispo, didn't know where you were going. And neither did I. <laughs> yeah. And at that time, I was working with a ministry providing residential care to survivors of trafficking. And I had moved to Vegas to get that work going. And when I was praying about that ministry in particular, one day, I really just felt the Holy Spirit said, go to slow, like go visit Kurt. And my good friend, Trisha, who used to be Kurt's admin, called up Kurt and said, hey, can we come visit you for a weekend, like this weekend? And we did. And when I was there, I just knew there was something special about this place and God was moving there and came back and really started praying and talking with my husband, Brian, about maybe we need to move there. And we were getting married and kind of seeking out like, what does God have for us as newlyweds? So long story short, we ended up moving there at the end of 2015. And that's a miracle in and of itself. Brian, who's born and raised in Vegas, never left, would make that leap to move to slow. And you were a part of that decision and connecting us with our our apartment and you know, that was a big thing too, is the cost of living is crazy. And how can we make this happen? And we have two weeks to move because Brian could transfer with his job and it all just lined up, you know, perfectly because God was in the midst of it. And actually we lived with him and his family for the first two weeks. Oh, while we were, Yeah, you guys were, were awesome and gracious hosts and help us get settled and all that. But more than that, we got to start doing life with you guys and yeah. it worked out. Yeah, you guys only had to live with us for two weeks and Mm the place opened up, which knowing if anyone knows this town, which is a town of about 45,000 people, residential, and then a college with about 20,000 people on top of that. So finding a place in any kind of timely manner is usually impossible. Because yes. the college just sucks all of that extra space, all that housing. And on top of it, it wasn't just a place. It was a family that owned a unit on their property that another young Christian couple were living in. 
who happened to be moving out around within a week or two of when we needed to move in. And not only that, but the landlord said, you know, we want to bless the people that live here. We want this to be a place for people who are in ministry or just, you know, on mission with God. And we want to charge basically half of what they could have charged for that apartment, which is all we could afford at the time. So, I mean, yeah, talk about God opening doors and working all things out. Like he did the impossible for that. Yeah. And you guys moved here. And now you've moved a year ago, you moved again. Yes, we did. We were in slow for five and a half years. And then last April, 2021, we moved out here to Boise, Idaho. Boise, Idaho, I should say. Oh, got to get it right. (laughs) Yeah. So we've been in Idaho just shy of a year now. How has that year gone for you? It has not been all rainbows and butterflies. (laughs) It's been a hard year. It's been a year of really drawing close to the Lord in ways that I didn't even know I needed and looking to him to fill me in every way. And that was made possible through some really tough stuff this past year. Would you, uh, would you mind sharing some of those difficulties? And when I say difficulties, you know, something like I have difficulties sometimes like opening a Ziploc bag now, right? Mm -hmm. That's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about some pretty tough stuff. It's all relative, you know, I mean, in light of like what's happening in Ukraine and other like atrocities around the world, my stuff is really small, but I also acknowledge that God doesn't ask us to compare and he's with us regardless of the season we're in. So yeah, it started the beginning of last year. Someone really close to me in my immediate family um, having a really big health scare, almost passing away. And that was just as we were making a move here to Idaho. And thankfully that that person has recovered and is okay now, but that was, that was a scary time. And then, like I said, in the midst of it, we move here. I'm now working fully remotely And as a more extroverted person, I found that that's actually pretty tough for me to be alone all the time, which I'm sure a lot of people can relate to in pandemic world where there's a lot of remote work. And, you know, not having a community yet, because that takes time to build, led me to feel really isolated. And in the midst of the year, my husband and I had some, you know, marriage stuff that we walked through. And then in August, I had my own health issue where I got the COVID vaccine, and this is not a pro or against vaccine commentary. This is just my experience that I got the vaccine, and then I was hit with a ton of just kind of mystifying health issues where I I could barely walk. Um, My face was numb. I had chest pain so severely that I couldn't lay flat for six weeks. had to have brain scans. They were concerned about MS, potentially myocarditis. My hands would turn blue. I mean, just fatigue, incredible brain fog, like you name it. It feels like it, it hit me in that season. And this went on for months. And, you know, there were, were days where we didn't know what's going on with me. And I would wake up in the middle of the night and be terrified that I'm having a heart attack because I had shooting pain down my arm wow. and not knowing am I going to get better? Is this my new normal? 
as someone who has always been extremely active, that was really, really hard to not be able to walk up a flight of stairs. As I started to improve from that, thank the Lord, as months went by, then another really close loved one in my immediate family had a very big scare on Thanksgiving. And we've still been walking out some of that family member's health issues. Again, a very scary time of, is this person going to make it? You know, having moments of concern for that. And then I also had neck surgery to cap off the end of the year. Wow. My, my second one that I've had in my life and, you know, still just recovering from that. So it's just kind of been relentless in that it's just been one thing after another, after another, as soon as you kind of pick your head up and, you know, feel like I get my head above water, then bam, another thing comes along and is, is pulling me back down. That's been my year in a nutshell. Wow. When you were going through that health scare, would you mind just painting a picture of what that was like for you in the mm-hmm. midst of that? You know, because when you're when you're on the other side of it, you can condense that down. But, but what was that like? I think I felt the full gamut of emotions. Honestly, there were days where I was probably struggling with some depression, anxiety, a lot of fear just a heaviness of, like I said earlier, you know, is this my new normal? Am I going to heal? Even having really hard conversations with my husband about, you know, if a brain scan revealed that I have MS or if I have a heart issue or if, you know, X, Y, Z happened, you know, what will that look like for us? And how do we, how would we navigate that? Thankfully that, you know, wasn't my reality, but it's in those moments of, just the complete unknown where it feels like your your feet are held to the fire and you kind of see what you're really made of in the sense of like what do you value most and what bubbles to the surface and that's where I say it was yes there were those dark moments but also you know what God showed me through this process is that I really do believe he is enough for me and I really do believe that he's for me and that he's truly using all things for my good and for his glory. And I don't mean that as just, you know, nice poetic words or scripture verses like that became real to me as I was sitting in the midst of scary stuff. And that scripture, James 1, 2 through 4, became real as considerate pure joy when you face trials. I had a a moment one night on the bathroom floor, just crying and sobbing and crying out to God and sort of feeling abandoned by him. Like, God, you know, where are you? Why have you forsaken me? Like, why does it feel like one blow after another? That verse came to mind, consider it pure joy. Whenever you face trials, you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. It's like, I suddenly understood what that meant, that God was not out to harm me, He was not out to punish me, but if I allowed him to use this circumstance to draw me closer to him, that is what I truly want at the end of the day is to know him more intimately, to walk more closely with him and to glorify him in everything I do. And sometimes we have to walk through the really hard stuff in order for God to cultivate that in us. What you were saying just reminds me, you know, to talk about walking through the valley of the shadow of death. Mm -hmm. But the key word is 
through. Yeah. And not camping out there and getting stuck in that season. Yeah, cause sometimes we extend our seasons way longer than they need to be because mm-hmm. we uh, drive the tent pegs into the ground. Absolutely. You know, Kim, that's such a good point that we have a, a part to play in, you know, whether we stay just in that darkness, in that heaviness, or we move forward with God. You know, even before we see the breakthrough, before we see the light, when going back to that moment on the bathroom floor, it's like, that's something that God started to show me. If I would believe that he is working for my good, and if I I can believe that this hard thing can can actually be pure joy, I, I would start praising him in the midst of the hard stuff. And that's what I did that night is I, I started declaring this scripture over my life. I started declaring that God is for me, that I will not stay in this place. And worship just like exploded out of me from nowhere, <laughs> literally. <laughs> and there was a huge shift in my spirit. And I, I realized, okay, that is a tool that God is giving me. That is a weapon that God is, is giving me and all of us to come out of the darkness is to praise him. And that started guiding the rest of my year. And even though the, the things kept coming, the difficult things kept coming, it was like, now I had this new tool. I had this new weapon of being able to fight back. And it was praise and thanking God for every season and every lesson, because he is near in every moment. When you walked out of that bathroom, what happened? Yeah, I walked out of the bathroom. I mean, again, like just sobbing, sobbing, face to the ground, sobbing minutes before. And now I'm like worshiping. And I walk out of the bathroom, my husband's in the kitchen, and he's like expecting me to be sullen and sad and, you know, moody. And I'm like, okay, what do you want for dinner? And I'm singing and I'm smiling. And he's kind of going, you know, what is wrong with you? Like, what just happened? I don't trust this. (laughs) And I said, you know, I, I just encountered God. Like I just literally encountered the Holy Spirit in a really profound way. And this is how I want to live my life. It comes down to intention. Absolutely. What do we believe about God's intentions towards us? That really makes the difference whether we sit in the darkness and, you know, circle the wagons, close our minds and hearts to him. And therefore, as Kim, as you said it, pound down those, uh, those tent pegs and camp out there. If we don't trust God's intentions, that he is, is actually using these painful moments for our healing rather than our harm, then we're going to hide from him and prolong the experience of being in this dark place. First of all, internally, right? So what you did in that bathroom was trust what God says about himself and what he's doing in our lives, even especially in the most difficult times, that he uses all things for our good. And that's his intention is to use everything for our good. And do we agree with that and accept that and align with him in that? Or do we resist it? And like you said, when we resist it, we 
more often than not just prolong the work that God needs to do in us because he's, he is relentless. You know, he is, he is crazy about us. He doesn't want to just let us stay stuck in our junk. You know, he wants us to have more freedom. And so he's going to pursue us. And that may mean walking through seasons that we don't care for and we'd rather not. But yeah, the more we push it away and push it off, we just prolong it. I think we don't often notice our distrust of his intentions. It's something that's kind of a default setting in all of us as human beings, even as Christ followers, for those of us who follow Jesus. We have almost like this, yeah, I'd say a default setting where we have an attitude that God is is out to get us. More often than we want to admit, like, here's what I've heard, and tell me if, if this isn't the attitude we sometimes have, and and if you haven't heard this from other people, when I ask how things are going, I, I can't tell you how many times I've heard people say, yeah, everything's going great, I'm just waiting for the other shoe to drop. Oh, yes. What does that tell us or reveal about our attitude towards God's intentions? Yes. As someone who has spent a lot of time waiting for the other shoe to drop, (laughs) I relate to that sentiment. I I think it maybe reveals we feel like God's not trustworthy, that we have to earn him in some way rather than receive from him. Yeah. Sometimes I think we doubt that he's actually good. And that he'll actually follow through because if he's not all of who he says he is, then obviously we should, should air quotes, take control because we could obviously, sarcasm, hopefully fully in evident, do a better job than he could because we know our intentions for our lives. One of my favorite authors says, easier to trust, it's easier to love than it is to trust. When it comes to relationships, because love is all based on what we know about ourselves and we're giving it away to someone else. Whereas trust says, I believe you'll do what I what you say you'll do. And I don't actually know your heart because I'm not in there. Yeah, that trust factor is big, right? The trust factor that God's intentions are good, like you said, Ken, like they're good. And I think that when things are going well, when we begin to fear that the other shoe is about to drop, I think that's that shows that we have a view of God as this eternal party pooper. That <laughs> like, right? Like, oh, you're having too good of a time. I need to throw a, a monkey wrench into this thing right. because this isn't, you know, what it's about. When I think about what Jesus said and revealed about heaven, how many times did Jesus say the kingdom of heaven is like a wedding party? a wedding celebration. Everyone at a wedding is waiting for the guy, usually often me, standing up there officiating to be done with that so they could go have a good time. And here's Jesus telling us, this is the atmosphere of heaven. Like Jesus is the ultimate party animal. Like there's nobody that knows how to have a a better time than God. What we forget is that God in the beginning gave us a choice how we were going to proceed in this journey of relationship with him and how we were going to grow into intimacy and maturity. And he gave us two pathways. Here are the two pathways and the two sets of tools. 
that I am laying before you. You can go this way and continue to trust me and eat from the tree of life. Or you could go this way and eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And I'm telling you, you go that way and there's pain and death. Mm-hmm. And so we chose option B and handed God these tools of pain that God now uses to remove the harm, you know, and to grow us in the intimacy and maturity so that we, we live and experience more of the celebration of heaven. That's the whole point is to remove the obstacles that are actually keeping us hiding from the celebration over us. Like one of the things that blows my mind is 1 Corinthians 13, right? And speaking of weddings, we say this all the time, you know, this part of of scripture, it's a description of love. Love Love is patience. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast, right? Well, 1 John chapter 4 tells us that God is love. So this is actually a description of God's character. We stop quoting. As Paul keeps going, he says later on, one day I will know fully as I am fully known. Go back to the passage we quote all the time. There's this line that love rejoices with the truth. I feel like God gave me this divine connection. God is love and he rejoices in the truth and we are fully known. Click, God rejoices in the truth of who we are. He knows us more than we we even know ourselves. And he rejoices in every moment. And the issue is we don't experience that. And he is out to remove everything that hinders us from experiencing the fact that his delight and celebration over us. He is not the eternal party pooper. He's quite the opposite. Yeah. So, Dana, in this year of pain, what were the things that God began to lift off of you that were harmful that you can look back and see his work in bringing the pain to remove the harm? If you don't mind sharing, what were some of those things that you now look back and go, yeah, he took that, that stuff off of me that was harmful to me. I realize now that I was putting so much of my identity into different areas of my life. My career was a big piece of my identity. I'd been in social work and largely anti-trafficking work for you know 10 years. And that was something that I could derive a lot of validation from. Although it's meaningful work and that's great. God's more concerned about me and like you said, knowing me and being in relationship with me. So even removing work. So I couldn't put my identity in that. You know, I couldn't put my identity in my my physical health as someone who was active. I couldn't put my identity in relationships or community, moving to a new place and no one knows me. No one knows the ways I would typically be involved in community or how I would typically show up in community And I didn't have an opportunity to show people because I felt too terrible physically. Mm. Yeah. Even, even the security of, you know, family and the health of people that I love looking to that, that sense of security and support was removed. And I was really feeling pretty bare, Mm. pretty bare, pretty exposed. Now 
how do I navigate life with just you, God? Mm. What does that look like? How do we rebuild from here together now that you've stripped away all the things that were really just idols coming in between us? It honestly wasn't even until recently, until this last week, that I had the realization of, oh, that's what you've been doing this last year. You know, you, you really have been moving things for my good because you love me. You, you really have been just removing everything that hinders our relationship. When God removes things, when God takes things or asks us to give things over to him, there's an empty space where those things once lived, right, and dwelt in our hearts and minds. And what I've experienced for myself is that whatever God asks of us to give over, he always gives more in return. Hmm. So you talked about identity. You talked about Hmm. him stripping these things from you that you look to for identity rather than him, which, yeah, we're idols, right? Mm -hmm. And they were temporary things. That's the thing about when we we look at idols, everything that's an idol is a created thing. And Romans 1 says, right, that God's wrath falls on the unrighteousness of man, not man, but the attitude of unrighteousness, which is distrust in God as the creator, and rather we turn to created things that we can see, but those created things have endings, which is death. And so when we worship created things, when we lean into things that we allow to become our idols and we attach themselves to them, that's death. That we're attaching ourselves to things that will die, and we are basically attaching ourselves to death. So God was lifting those things, those, those little deaths. He was breaking those attachments. But from my experience, like I said, God always gives us something better in return. And this is an identity yeah. issue. So what have you noticed God speaking into those empty places that were once filled with idols. Well, here's the thing about idols and identity for me is it is exhausting to try to put my identity in things that won't last because you are constantly trying to manage something that is fleeting and constantly trying to keep it going, Mm. you know, a career, a relationship, finances, just whatever it may be that you're putting your your worth and your value in. It's like this constant hustle to keep it going. And when it's removed suddenly, it hurts for a, a period. But now I just feel like I've gained so much freedom to be authentically who I am, to not hide and to embrace more fully all the unique ways that God has wired me, the unique things that I carry into the world that are lasting, it all goes back to freedom for me. That's really Mm. what I'm embracing more of. It sounds so restful to lay those things that you're trying to manage emotionally, mentally, physically Mm -hmm. even. It's all tied together. Now that you've given up those other things that you know, to to this level, right, to this layer, you've given up these things that you look to for your identity. Is there anything that's uniquely you that you sense God going, I just delight in this about you? You know, I actually wrote a whole list over the weekend. Would you mind sharing? <laughs> of things that's a, 
Sure. I, I have my notebook here. So I, I interrupted you. What was the list though, of things? Left? Just things that the Lord shared about who I am apart from the things I do or I, I don't know. I guess some of it's still things I do, but apart from the things that he kind of moved away. Hmm. I, I referred to it as my shell, like the shell that I had been living in and, you know, that facade. And so I wrote, who am I without the shell? Daughter of my beloved, surrendered to Jesus, passionate about the overlooked, a listener, connected to Holy Spirit's voice, steadfast, strong, vulnerable, authentic, and real, tender-hearted, a friend, wife, and encourager, a voice for the gospel, a facilitator of movement towards God, funny sometimes and easy to laugh, intelligent, servant-hearted, a worshiper, a safe space, a question asker, steady, a teacher, a life giver, a warrior, a fighter, committed, strong-willed, a visionary, a communicator, a beautiful spirit and soul, and a mother's heart. Mm, I affirm that to be true. Thank you. Yeah, that's awesome. I love how God's like, nope, this is the truth. Yeah. Because it's not enough to get rid of the lies. We always talk about creation, (laughs) speaking of God's glory and God's truth. And one of the laws is nature abhors a vacuum. So it's not enough to just simply know the, oh, that was a lie or that was an idol, but then to give it over to God and go, okay, well, if this is a lie, what's the truth? It's certainly something Kurt and I have been talking about a lot lately. <laughs> and it can be scary to let go of the lies because that's what we know. And that feels safer. One of the practices I do with people, the tools I have is to, is to ask them what they believe about themselves, you know, the negative stuff. And I listen you know, to what they're saying. And then I ask them to give me words that would describe the opposite of each of those things. Because the enemy is not creative. He actually speaks, takes what God says and perverts it to its ultimate opposite. So he doesn't create anything new. He just completely perverts what God says. And so we can use these negative things we believed about ourselves purposefully to reveal the truth of what God's saying. There's, they can actually be a launching point as we face them to get to what you just read, the truth of who we are. And Kim, you said all of creation declares the glory of God and we are his creation. Yeah. What struck me is, as you were reading, Dana, is that, Somebody who doesn't understand true humility could listen to you saying these things about how intelligent you are, how creative and gifted you are as a speaker, and go, that's pride. When reality is that that's humility, to declare what God has said, listening for his voice, what he's saying and declaring it to be true is humility. There's so many people that like talk smack about themselves and consider that humility. And that's actually pride. That's actually disagreeing with the creator of the universe. Yeah. The one who made you because we declare the glory of God. And when 
we have the right balance of saying, matter of factly, these are my strengths. Mm -hmm. This is who I am in in God. And these are my weaknesses. And together they make a a thing of beauty. Mm -hmm. And that thing of beauty and all the strengths and weaknesses is a creation of the of the most high of the creator that can reflect him that's meant to reflect him and so as you're reading those things i i just sense humility and declaration of god because he he, all of those things that make you you that are your strengths and the things of beauty all reflect who he is they're all him yeah thank you for saying that and absolutely it goes back to intention What's our intention with acknowledging and celebrating and embracing the unique giftings and wirings that God has given us? Mm. And if it is to, you know, to glorify, to bring glory to God's name, to say, look, God created this. And not just for me, God uniquely created you too. Mm-hmm. And I want to step into all the unique ways that God has gifted me. So that I can equip other people to step into all that God has created them to be. And it's, it's not about comparison or competition. God is for all of us. Yeah, it's the connecting point. You know, I think about Legos. Legos have those bumps on the top are used to connect to another Lego. But underneath, there's empty space. Mm-hmm. So our strengths are there for us to connect to other people, but so are our weaknesses. Because mm-hmm. in those places where I'm weak, I can celebrate my strengths, but I can also celebrate my weaknesses because in my strengths, I can connect to someone else who's weak in the areas I'm strong, but I can also celebrate those empty places under you know, my Lego where those, those are the weaknesses where somebody else can come in and fill those places for me. And mm-hmm. there we become the body of Christ and my weaknesses, someone else steps in to fill those spaces. So and how much freedom does that bring when we say, yeah, I have weaknesses and that is okay because you are going to come in and fill them in a way that is, is holy and lovely and edifying to each other rather than let me hide in my shame and pretend like I can fill this gap too, when really I can't. Mm. I mean, just the freedom to say, mm. I don't have it all figured out. I, I don't have all of the gifts. I don't have all of the answers. But as a body together, we can work together and fill those holes. Yes. You know, I talked about false humility being pride, but you no, know, arrogance and bragging about yourself and hiding the weaknesses is also pride. And there's this beautiful balance. Mm-hmm. between the two of, of accepting both. Here's my strengths. Here's my weaknesses. And God gets the glory in both. And that's the intention. That's the heart of worship. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. I was coming back to what you said earlier when we were talking about First Corinthians 13, the last part of it. I will be known as I am fully known. That's humility right there. In a nutshell, being known fully and knowing yourself fully the good the bad the the beautiful and the less pretty stuff that's what god wants for us freedom i've had a very similar experience over the last few years where basically when i went into a three-month sabbatical you remember that 
where God really the overarching theme was God saying to me, hold to me and nothing else. Hold to me and nothing else. And he gave me some practices to help that keep going. Because those incredible breakthrough moments are great. Like on that bathroom floor, those are touch points we'll never forget. However, they're invitations to keep the practice going. So in this season, what do you sense God inviting you to practice? Or what practices do you feel like he's inviting you into that will help you continue to walk in freedom and continue to stay restful? You know, I've had more time in this season and I have really gotten into a rhythm of starting every morning in the word. And just right now I'm rereading through all the gospels and I love to journal. That's how I process. And half the time, I don't even know what I'm feeling or thinking until I start writing. So yeah, spending time every morning, just usually reading a chapter in scripture and then journaling for maybe 30 minutes or so, sometimes longer, sometimes less. Sometimes that can lead into a time of just putting on worship music and just being still and listening for what God's speaking more often than not, I think the revelation type moments come when I'm going about my day or, you know, hit with the thing, whatever it is that I'm dealing with that day or that week. And those nuggets from scripture or from my time with God in the morning then come back into my memory, you know, and I'm going, oh yeah, I remember what God said earlier. Let me, let me dwell on that for a minute. And it just kind of recalibrates and refocuses my my heart. I love that you mentioned worship on the bathroom floor <laughs> in that moment, right? That intentional moment that you you literally began to praise him, really focus on his his goodness and and really uh, align yourself with trust in in his intentions and his goodness towards you. And what I hear you saying again is it's a daily thing. It's an intentional part for you. You intentionally make it part of your morning practice to praise him for his intentions and how that constantly brings you back to reframing who he is as the, the father with who celebrates us and how you're reminded of that through the day when the circumstances threaten to take your eyes off of that. So that proactive thing you do in the morning to worship him has reactive consequences in the moments during the day that remind you. Absolutely. One of my favorite things to do when I'm journaling is I usually kind of just dump all the thoughts in my head and everything out. And then, then it's like we get through the first layer and I can go a little deeper with God. And then I just ask, Lord, what do you want to say to me today? And then I write from the perspective that God is speaking to me. Mm. And so I, I just hear, you know, what I, what I sense the Holy Spirit is saying, whether it's something that struck me in the scripture or just, you know, what comes into my head and my heart. And that has a pretty profound impact for me. Oh man, I agree. I do the same thing every morning. Whenever I read 
scripture, I read the same passage. It's usually no more than 15 verses is what I'm down to in the morning. And I read the same passage three times and I ask three questions. God, what is it you want to highlight? I read it the first time. Second time, what's my emotional response to, my, to what I'm reading? Write that down. The last time is what is your gift or invitation for me today? And then I read it again. And I notice any scripture being highlighted again in that moment. And then I just begin to write what, like, he's he's writing to me, whatever yeah. whatever he wants to say. And it's always, even when it's convicting, it's so encouraging. Yeah. And it's always a celebration in some way that really strengthens me for that day and, and really gets me in the place of sense of his completeness and his peace which is shalom completeness clothing me for the day. So I agree. That's a huge practice every day. What do you guys do when you are having a day where none of your spiritual practices seem to be getting you out of the funk and you're wallowing and there's self-pity and there's doubt and there's fear? What helps you? For me, it's just what you said. It just keeps coming back to the theme of worship and in this case, music. Because when we say worship, it doesn't necessarily need to be music. Because, yeah. you know, people draw, people, journal is an act of worship, you know? For me, when I'm at a place where I'm stuck in my head, which is where I get as an Enneagram 7, I have a lot of thoughts. And, often, and, and so many thoughts going on all at once that uh, I get stuck in those at times and I can't get I can't feel my heart I can't feel God's presence even though I can I can affirm that in my head that he is trustworthy I don't feel it don't sense it and God has made it clear to me over the years what moves me is music what breaks that disconnection and brings connection is music this is my habit when I have to go to the bathroom in the midst of that, inevitably I do because I drink a lot of water when I first wake up. I will immediately put on a, a worship song, but I don't choose it. I have about a hundred songs in a playlist on my phone, and I just hit shuffle. And before I do, I go, God, speak to me in a way that I, I can just hear you ministering to me so that I can then respond to that. It's come to me that the word adoration that we think of in worship to God starts with him. He adores us. Adoration is not something I have to grit my teeth and, and work my way into. It is a reception, a receptivity to, to feel God's adoration to me. And so worship actually, I let God speak to me. I let the song be him singing over me and celebrating me first. And as I listen to the, the lyrics, almost every stinking time, there's a moment in that where I just sense God's heart of celebration and I begin to adore him back. I feel his adoration and I begin to adore him back. And I just let that song become instead of a one-way thing where I'm worshiping him, I let that become a place of give and take between us. And that's what helps me. I love that. That's beautiful. Yeah. I think it's finding what 
how you connect with God best. doesn't always, <laughs> sometimes you're still stuck in that, the emotional aspect of it longer, I find. Absolutely. But just like for me, it's photography. I'm an Enneagram nine and nature is one of the most clear ways that God speaks to me. Just think simple things like watching light play over the hills or watching how just a little bit of shadow or a little bit of light changes how something looks. And I just remember going out there going like, I had having a huge agenda of, okay, God, I need to talk to you about this. And I had my list and like, I just couldn't settle. And God's like, did you leave your camera in the car? I'm like, yes. It's like, just go out, just be. Because I think sometimes we are in such a rush to get out of the uncomfortable feelings and to get out of that will take the first thing that comes along to escape from it. And so it's, it's impossible for me to go out and see God's creation and hide. I have yet to find a way for that to work, you know, but it's finding that thing that you connect with God well in, I think, and then being willing to sit in it. Okay, God, I don't know what's going on. Like there's been a couple of times I've come back from doing that. I'm like, okay, God, I still hurt. And he's like, but are you coming to me with it? Are you still talking to me or are you running and hiding? As long as the answer is I'm running to you and being present, he's going to work it out. Sometimes we just need a little more grace and patience for ourselves in that season. Mm-hmm. I, I really resonate with that, Kim, on a, a lot of levels. I connect with God in nature as well. And, you know, I do the same thing where sometimes, you know, I'm running to God and I want him to give me answers or solutions. You know, I'm looking for something like tangible or practical for my life situation. And, you know, God isn't revealing that to me yet. He's like, just be with me. Like you said, just, just come and be. And I resist that a lot at first because that doesn't help my problem. I feel, you know, (laughs) that doesn't give me an answer on if I should choose A or B for what this decision I'm making. But every time I find that when I just get present with the Lord and say, let me just set this thing over here, I walk away feeling refreshed or connected. You know, not that there's always resolution. There may still be pain or there may still be questions or confusion, but there's a bit of resolve of peace. Mm. And really all those other things that we chase that are created things that, that we look to for our comfort and our identity and our acceptance, that's, that's why we chase them. We want those things. We want some sense of peace and some sense of joy and some sense of security and a sense of being accepted and loved. And when we come to God and be with him, we find that's who he is. He is all of those things for us. That's beautiful. Dana, there's a lot of people out there that haven't yet even got to that place of surrender and rest like you have that are still doubtful of God's intentions towards them or have gone there and are back in a new season of struggle over trusting God for his intentions. Would you mind, as we close this out, would you mind praying for those who uh, who are in those seasons? Mm-hmm. 
God, I thank you so much for how close you are to us. Lord, I thank you that your intention, your posture towards us is always good. You are love. You are nothing but love. Even when we are lost in our circumstances or our idols or our stress, you are just there offering love for us, God. And so, Lord, we just pray for everyone that is needing a deeper connection with you, that is searching for true rest, that is wanting to lay everything else aside and just come into the arms of their father. God, we pray that they would find you, that they would know you intimately and personally, that they would hear your words of love and joy spoken over them. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Dana, this has been such an awesome experience and a pleasure to hang out with you. Yeah. And my pleasure. So, so fun to talk with you guys and loved it. The word I have is rich. And I think that everyone who listens to this, this is my assumption anyway, but... As people listen to this, I can't imagine them coming away thinking anything else, but that was rich. So thank you for sharing honestly your struggles and and the triumphs of what and the things you've experienced in this season. Thank you for giving me space to blabber and share. <laughs> Miss that sense of humor. It's a journey. It's it's always a journey, you know. Still walking it out, still uncovering more, and excited because there is more. Yes. You know? mm-hmm. Yes. For all of us. <laughs> and that is the right perspective, I believe, as we look to the future, not to go, I have so much farther to go, so much mm-hmm. more to learn. It's to look to the future and go, God has so much more to reveal and give. Yeah. So until the next time that we get to talk about what he's revealed. And I think there will be another time. I hope, I believe we'll have you back until then. Blessings on you on your journey. You too. Love you guys. Love you. And please know you can reach out to us with any of your questions, your prayer requests, or if you need help because you're feeling stuck in some area of your life. I am a coach for transformation that helps people move forward on their journey. If you want more information, or you want prayer, or you have questions, you can email me at coachkurt777 at gmail.com. And as always, remember that you are God's beloved, so be loved.